Welcome to 2010's Teens. My name is Patrick. My name is Taylor. And this is the new monthly installment of Y2 Kids. Y2 Kids, of course, is the show where we talk about pop culture, film, television, music, games, whatever it may be from the late 90s and early 2000s. Because we're not 90s kids, we're Y2 Kids. Those Y2 Kids grew up and they became 2010's Teens. And we've decided that we want to spend, you know, one episode a month talking about some of those uh, formative uh, movies, shows, whatever they may be. As we got a little bit older, some of those things that kind of uh, uh, curated our taste as we grew up. Right now, the plan is just to do 10 of these episodes. We're going to do uh, 10 over the course of uh, the next calendar year. Um, this is our first one. To be honest, folks, a uh, little inside baseball here. We are uh, recording this one a little early. We wanted to make sure we saw all of the Hunger Games movies before the quote-unquote new one. By the time you listen to it, it's not new anymore. Uh, but we figured if we're going to watch all four, we need to do a 2010s teens on it. We're going to bank this episode. If all goes according to plan, a lot of the episodes you're listening to this month have been banked uh, because we've been uh, uh, dying to talk about some of this stuff while we're waiting for the strike to end. Yeah, so very excited to dive into this. Um, I did not read any of the Hunger Games books. I know that you read one of them. You read the first one. So I just want to give a disclaimer that this is not like how did the movie interpret the books uh at least on my end maybe you can touch a little bit on that with the first one but um this is really about the movies uh and i love a good dystopian flick i love a good dystopian series the maze runner divergent hunger games obviously um the giver the Giver was my favorite book growing up. Like I, I love a little bit of dystopian um, setups. Like I, I just really find it so fascinating. Like I think, especially now as I get older, like it comes from just like, you know, we are the generation. I mean, actually, I'm gonna take that back. We are not the only generation that has felt this way, but it feels like in our generation right now, just separately from the fact that this has happened at other times. It feels like we're constantly making history and like not in a good way. Like it feels like we are having so many historical moments that will be DBQs in some sad <laughs> sacks AP human geography class one day. And you just go like, fuck, like, do we keep do we have to keep living through this? Um, so I feel like I have always been like, what will happen if the world just caves in on itself? And these are kind of an outlet for those intrusive thoughts. I think about that all the time, like people that were born in like. 1912 and lived to be like 105 like they saw the single craziest 105 years in the history of the planet you know yeah that's insane <laughs> anyway um so yeah we what we've done today actually is we watched all four of these in one day we woke up we set the alarm uh and we pounded them all with pretty minimal breaks we took you know some 10 minute breaks in between we took a dinner break before the last one uh but otherwise it was pretty much non-stop um i know for me like i feel fine i i, I don't know i guess because i'm getting to the point where i do a lot of these kinds of marathons um just a couple weeks ago did 15 movies in 24 hours so this is like whatever i'm feeling i could do a whole nother batch speak for yourself i am 
I'm miserable. I am so tired. I don't like watching this many movies. It makes me never want to watch a movie again. Um, and really is just, yeah, terrible for my, um, my, I don't know. I don't have the attention span for this. So each movie I will be able to recall less and less because I just get so zonked, uh, staring at a TV screen, uh, for that many hours. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I'm, I'm really feeling it. So if I seem a little disoriented, that's why on my end. So that was part of the point, though. I think it was like, let's just watch them all in a row and then see how we like honestly feel at the end. You're obviously a lot more beat down than I am. Um, but I don't think we really need to introduce the Hunger Games. I think people who listen to this podcast know what the Hunger Games are, were, um, have since seen the new one. The new one's probably out on friggin' DVD by the time we talk about this one, but um, or streaming, whatever. Um, but you are correct. I read the first Hunger Games book. I feel like a lot of people read the first Hunger Games book. Like, obviously, it was a huge bestseller, but I think you are one of the rare people that I know that did not it of, of our age. And especially because you were reading stuff like this. Like, you liked The Giver. Why didn't you read The Hunger Games? So, I actually didn't read, like, any post-apoc books other than The Giver, which I read for school. I didn't read that for fun. We all read it for school. So, I read The Giver, loved it. But I was reading a lot more... Um, how, how shall I put this? Troubled, depression-inducing books. Uh-huh. So a little Fall in Our Stars, a little Perks of Being a Wallflower, a little It's Kind of a Funny Story, things that really were not good for my mental health. Not that this would have been, <laughs> yeah, but right. not that this would have been, but I was really like in the weeds of like a, a really dangerous pick me era that I've spoken about previously. Um, and so I didn't have time to, I mean like, we have to we have to be very like clear about this. I was not like other girls. Okay? I was not like other girls, so I would not be reading what other girls are reading. Do you understand? Like I had to be different. So I read John Green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, but it felt personal. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. I understand. Um the first movie uh I knew forwards and backwards. I don't know if I really know why, I think I have a couple of theories. One is that I read the book and reading the book really helps like flesh out the movie because the movie flies. I mean, there are moments since that last 20 seconds, the whole fire dress thing, we're, by the way, we're going to screw up so many names and, and, and moments and whatever. Forgive us. They're starting to blend together a little bit. Whatever we want to call the fire dress thing in the first movie that kind of carries throughout um that's like 20 is literally like 20 seconds in this movie in the first movie yeah it's it really does fly by um and it feels pretty rushed like you were like yeah i don't feel like they did a good job of explaining that the closer you are to the capital the richer you are and all of those people volunteer tributes because they've trained and they specifically select people and the poor people have to be voluntold and i was like what like i didn't get that at all like maybe i just missed a line about it but like what like that's crazy i mean at least at least that's what i remember from 10 years ago like they don't explain that in the movie maybe i just made that up i don't think i did though like i think that's what i remember from the book um but i also think that the book is so clearly like um i think it's really well put together in terms of just like natural storytelling beats 
introducing this person, then introducing this concept, then introducing this person, then you get on the train to go to this place. And like you, you really gradually learn things at a good pace. And so because the book is like beat it out really well, the movie has that going for it in terms of like we're just introducing these characters and moments in the same order and you're going to sort of learn information in the correct way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it just happens so fast in this. You're just flying. That, it's like on fast forward. Yeah, that like, yes, I agree that it's all laid out really well and that the information is really like, like organized, but it is very much a thing of like, it just goes so fast that you can be like, wait, 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 what's that guy's name? And like, what's that person's deal? I think that's also partially because I, I was thinking that early in the day, but I think that's also because at the end it gets sloppy. It gets messy in terms of why, what is happening. And I think the first one is like a really good introduction. I really mean that in terms of the book. The movie is a mess. I mean, the movie is one of the worst directed movies I've ever seen. And I think, you know, people, Letterboxd has this movie at like a 3.7. And I think that is nostalgia tinted glasses for a lot of people. Because although the movie is like, you know, all of our favorite characters and our old pals and their wacky situations they get up to, the movie itself is terrible. It is very poorly edited. The shaky cam is is nauseating. Um, you know, I, I said sometimes with some of these big um, franchise movies, they'll have like a different person direct each one because they need like the next guy in pre-production before the last one's even like done. But you can tell that's not the case with the Hunger Games because as soon as that the next guy whose name I don't know, the guy who started with um, Catching Fire, he's made all of them since then. So clearly the first guy just sucked. <laughs> yeah, I think part of the reason that I feel really beat down today, and I'm sorry to just kind of start this pot off on a sour note, part of the reason that I feel beat down is because I kind of had high expectations for this. I wanted to like, I wanted it to feel really nostalgic and I wanted to actually like really like it because I miss like, I've talked about this before on the pod. Like, you know, I don't want to come across like we're film snobs and whatever. Cause we're not, we, we enjoy trash just like everybody else. But I think like through our time together and through our different, you know, avenues of kind of, pop culture and criticism like we have become just like hyper aware of things and sometimes I wish I could go back to a time where I wasn't overthinking things and I wasn't going like that shot is weird and like that camera movement is funky and like that editing is weird and that CGI looks weird like sometimes I wish I could just put all of that behind me and just enjoy a movie and like I feel like this was a perfect perfect example of like I just picked it apart the whole time and like it just kind of made me feel sad like I just like wanted to kind of like it I wanted to enjoy it I wanted to feel some kind of way about it and I just didn't I just found it like kind of grating um especially because every movie got kind of worse and so I felt like my my mood just kept snowballing of like damn I wanted to like these well the second movie is is a significant improvement I think I was, you know, you do what you do. You read the Wikipedia page. You read the production section of the Wikipedia page. And I guess on, you know, one of the sections it said, this is often considered the best Hunger Games movie. And I was watching it and I was like, well, this is good. It is absolutely a technical step up. This guy, uh, I really should check his name, the director of two through all of them, is 
is a good technician, right? There are a couple of times where I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like when the person got bleeped because they were on live television, but the shot wasn't of them on television. It was of them in real life. How would they get bleeped in person? That doesn't make any sense. The shot should have been of a television. Francis Lawrence is the director. Right. Francis, Frankie. He did a couple things that I don't know about that. But he, like, the movie was no longer nauseatingly edited, right? It was no longer, like, insanely paced for no reason. He probably had bigger books to work with and still somehow um, was able to go slow. I mean, that's largely because the last book was split into two, which we'll talk about that. But the second movie is, is really a step up, I think, in just about every way. Um, before we talk about it, though, I guess we should talk about the cast. I think that that's really the, the big thing here. Yeah, so let's kind of go through this, baby. Um, okay, I'll start with Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. So we all love Jennifer Lawrence. I but, think people of our age love Jennifer Lawrence. There was, like, I was telling Patrick this. It's crazy to, like, watch Jennifer Lawrence now, especially with, like, just having seen No Hard Feelings recently. I'm, I mean, it came out in the summer. It's fall now as we're recording this. It's winter as you're listening to this. But um, having had her do a new movie this year, it's very, like... There was a time where Jennifer Lawrence was, like, a top five name in Hollywood. Like, everybody knew her. Everybody loved her. And she, I mean, she, she was J-Law. Like, I mean, she had a nickname. Like, she was it. And then she just kind of fell off. And I feel like now she's almost like a time capsule. Because, like, her behavior and, like, her personality was so, like, Y2K and, like, sorry, like, 2010s coded. Like, it was so hyper-millennial. It was so, like, quirky. And, like, that would never – people would hate her now if she did that same shtick. And so, like, she really just feels like this time capsule. Well, you know, it's crazy. She she makes this first Hunger Games movie. You know, she had done – Winter's Bone, and she'd been in one of the X-Men movies, but this is really the the big, big movie for her, right? And then in the next 12 months, she wins an Oscar for Silver Linings Playbook. She goes back. She makes the next Hunger Games movie, which is a ginormous hit, and we should talk about its financial success later. And I read that that movie made her the highest grossing female action star of all time. So within 12 months, she wins an Oscar for a quirky dramedy that's essentially a two-hander. I mean, it's got De Niro, it's got Chris Tucker, but it's essentially a two-hander, right? And then she's the biggest female action star of all time. That's the craziest year ever. Yeah, it was wild. I mean, she really just like took the world by storm and it's funny because i've seen a couple things recently which i'm not like at liberty to really get into them because i can't remember them perfectly and i don't want to butcher it but i i've seen a couple things recently online about like remember when jennifer lawrence said this and we all just thought that was like okay and i was like hmm, yeah the 2010s were kind of crazy like you could blame anything on being quirky um in a way that you just can't now and I'm, this is no shade to like current jennifer lawrence like i don't think that 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 is her brand necessarily anymore mm -hmm. she's clearly gone through a rebrand she's clearly well, rebranding herself actively now but it is just like i'm 
2010 Jennifer Lawrence, it was so specific and like was so niche and was so like millennial that it just is it blows my mind. Well, you said she kind of like came back. It's largely on purpose. She made a bunch of shit. Passengers, Red Sparrow, Mother was very divisive, you know, pick a handful of other things. And then she uh, got married and had a baby. And then has, like, kind of come back now and has been making a movie a year. Don't Look Up, which I think was is a mess, but I think it's a watchable, fun mess. Causeway, which people thought she was brilliant in. No Hard Feelings, which I thought was really fun. So she's kind of slowly, you know, entering a sort of a second phase in her career. Yeah, hopefully no more David O. Russell movies. <sighs> anyway, um, next up, uh, your boy. Um, my boy. So Josh Hutcherson. I <laughs> the way you said that makes it seem like the other boy is my Sorry. boy, which is one hundred percent not true. <laughs> Sorry, no. I for a second, I I don't know. For a second, I forgot Josh Hutcherson existed because I was like already thinking about um, uh, Liam Stanley Hunter. Tucci. Okay. Uh, 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 no, Stanley Tucci really is my. He's my man. Josh Hutcherson is my boy. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about Liam Hemsworth before you said that, so I was like, he's not my guy. He's not my guy. But no. Okay, let's talk about Josh Hutcherson for a second. Uh, obviously, Josh Hutcherson of Five Nights at Freddy's fame. Um, <laughs> Zathora fame. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, I freaking love. I love Josh Hutcherson. Okay, he was very Y2 Kids, right? Bridge to Terabithia, wasn't that him? Yes. Zathora, Race to Witch Mountain. Why are you saying it weird? It's Zathura. Zathura. It's not Zathora, it's Zathura. Okay, whatever. Anyways, God, I am a Zathura kid through and through. Um, Little Manhattan. Irv. Little Manhattan, one of my all-time favorites. If you've never seen Little Manhattan, you, like, literally have to. I'm actually signing it as homework. It's amazing. Um, and that goes for you as well, Patrick, because I know that you have not seen it. Don't plan on it. Um, I re- even remember watching, like, Journey to the Center of the Earth. The kids are all right. Like, I eat him up. Like, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I just, like, I want to smooch him. I want to have his children. Like, I love this guy. I just find him, like, so irresistible in such a, like, gooby way. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but I love him. And I just feel like he needs to, like, get more good things. Or, like, give... I, I feel like he needs to be, like, given a shot. Oh, my God. You His um 43 movies isn't a big enough <laughs> sample size for you. You're like, no. you know what? I think no. we just haven't found the right project for this guy uh, who no, doesn't I, really know how to act. Yeah. No, I do think we haven't found the right project for him because in in Little Manhattan he's brilliant. Okay, like he's the was greatest. Was like seven? He's like yeah, and he's like the greatest child performance of all time. Yeah, look what okay. happened to Hayden Panettiere. Anywho, I think that it's important. Like I think that he did this kind of like Disney little kid stick for a little bit, and I think Hunger Games is very Disney adjacent, and I feel like he needs to be given like something with real meat on its bones to 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 gnaw into. Oh my God, we don't have time to get into this. Okay, anyways, I love him. It was a treat watching him in all these movies. Every time he was on screen, I wanted to watch. Even when he was, like, very oddly, like, cg like, no, thinned out. No, that was out. weird. That was weird, actually. <laughs> You're like, what happened to his neck? Yeah, he just, like, got a BBL on his neck. I know he was, like, being starved or whatever, but, like, that doesn't make your neck literally disappear. Like, <laughs> what? Like, the, and his face just looked like a block. Like, it was just, anyways. Um, gosh, I just love him. I just love him. You're talking about Liam Hemsworth, right? No. Here's where I'm going to go with Liam Hemsworth. I can't look at him the same, okay? I used to be a Liam Hemsworth stan, 
there was a time in my life, there were there was a path that he could have taken in his personal life in which I would be gushing about him. I would have been Team Gale just by default because I love Liam Hemsworth. The last song, one of my favorite rom-coms of all time. It's amazing. It's so good. It's so much better than it needs to be. Like, it's just beautiful. Have you, have you ever seen the last song? No. Oh, my God. It's, it's terrific. You need to see it. However. You can buy yourself flowers. You can write your own name in the sand, right? Yeah, I mean, listen, he cheated. He cheated on Miley, and that's not okay. And he also wanted her to be a different person, and that's also not okay. He should have loved and appreciated her and respected her for who she was, and he didn't. And he was a shitty partner. And yeah, maybe I have a parasocial relationship with these people that I shouldn't, but Miley's my girl. I'm going to stand by her. Ladies first. Like, I'm sorry. I can't look at him the same now. I can't look at him the same now. Woody Harrelson hired to do Woody Harrelson? Yeah. He's hot. He's really hot. I don't think I realized quite how hot he was okay. until this. Do you agree? I Listen, you know what I said during the, fir- the first movie when I was on Wikipedia, everybody's favorite source? I said, oh, it looks like they at one point it was going to be John C. Riley before the director like begged Woody Harrelson to do it. And I would have liked the John C. Riley version. I think that that would have worked... I don't know if I would have said better for me, but I can see that for sure. Yeah. Um, let's just kind of run through the rest of these um, people because there's just so many to get into. I have some thoughts. Don't rush okay, me. Okay, don't fine. rush me. I'll, I'll say a name. You give thoughts if you have them. Okay. Elizabeth Banks. I don't know if she's a good actress. I've seen her in a million things. I still can't tell. Yeah, I feel similarly. Donald Sutherland, I mean, iconic. I mean, he's, you know, one of oh, one of the greats. Always going to do the same thing, more or less, but, like, is the best at it. Lenny Kravitz, what are you doing what here, King? What is he in this movie for? What are you doing here, King? I mean, get that check, I guess. Uh, but his, he, all, his character is, like, so underdeveloped compared to the book, and so it, it really just kind of sticks yeah. out. Like, I think I think a lot of the first movie especially, and I have read the other two books, um, but I think a lot of the first movie really relies on like you read this book you know so like we're just gonna show you the scenes that you already know really fast and so like you like Cinna because you like Cinna in the book and so even though he doesn't really get anything to do you just get all those warm and fuzzy feelings I felt that way about Gail okay like again I have not Gale, read what is he for I mean I... like he, what does he exist for he exists to be kind of A I think foil. it's I think it's kind of twilighty I think it's team Edward team uh, what's his name it is I mean it is but like I think that that's what gets me is like okay obviously I haven't read these books I don't know maybe Gail has so much more to do and he really shows this character but I vividly remember people arguing and being like I'm team Peta and like I'm team Gail why wouldn't you be team Peta what does Gail do like he <laughs> kisses her once every six months like he doesn't do anything like Peta yeah die your team Peta like, I don't know. I just feel like that's the obvious choice. Like, it's the only choice. Unless you just, like, think Gail is hot, sure. But, like, you cannot make an argument based in anything for being <laughs> Team Gail. Other than, like, oh, I think he's hotter. Like, okay. Aren't you the one that wanted to do the rapid fire? Anyways. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, R.I.P. Yes. Uh, obviously a great... What the hell is he doing in this movie? I mean, like, what the hell is he doing in these movies? He's interested in the second film. And this... Starting with the second movie, it's listen. I'm just gonna do the lazy comparison. I'm sorry. Okay, second movie on, it gets Harry Pottery, in the fact that when a new adult is introduced, 
you know that they are going to be the opposite of how they are introduced, right? Every time there was a defense against the dark arts professor in Harry Potter, if he comes in and he's really nice... They suddenly were really defending the dark arts. He's going to be a villain. And if he comes in and he's really spooky, he's going to end up being really nice. It's not that difficult, right? This is like this. Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm going to spoil these freaking movies that are 10 years old. These books are 10 years old. Why would you listen to this podcast if you don't know what we're talking about? Philip Seymour Hoffman comes in. He's the new games master, games designer, whatever. He's working for the Capitol. He's a creepy guy. No shit he's going to be a spy who works for the Rebellion because that's how these movies work. Yeah. It's a goobery performance in this. Uh, I can't lie. Uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Wright king what is he doing it is yeah <laughs> okay okay but also we say this like it wasn't these movies weren't fucking huge and made you know 600 700 800 900 million dollars like i i could see why you would want to be in them right good check good work you get to be in a giant franchise like there's a lot of pros many 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 pros but then now removed from it it's like what the hell like yeah stanley tooch Okay. Um, the Tuchmeister. Yeah. Uh, listen, he's testing out his TikTok persona. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love this man. He can do no wrong. He can do a lot of wrong, but he gets away with it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, now let's actually, well, actually, I'm going to skip to someone that I want to talk to, and then we are actually not going to sit on too many other people. I don't people. know who any of these people are. Okay, I... I have a bone to pick. Uh-huh. This is just gonna be my outlet for a second that okay. nobody cares about. It is. It is my. Cross I just. To bear. I just want the record to show she's the one that wanted to do the rapid fire. Okay, Sam Claflin. Guys, I have something to tell you. Could not pick him out of a lineup. And if it makes you never want to listen to us again, I'm willing to share it anyways <laughs> because I speak the truth. Daisy Jones in the six fucking <laughs> sucks. <laughs> <laughs> The book is so bad, and he is so bad in the show. I literally, I was going to do a piece that never made it to FeaturePresentationVideo.com. I read the book, I watched all this pre-production stuff, and I tried to watch a show, and I went to Patrick and I went, I, I can't. I mean, you're going to have the first horrific review on your site of just like don't watch this bullshit it's so fucking awful like i so you were like you're like i'll just save it for a podcast one day so yeah i was like one day someone's gonna be listening to hunger games be like what the hell what's her bone to pick with sam claflin that i (laughs) because i haven't seen this in a minute like i haven't i don't know if i've seen him in much other things like i know he was in like me before you last night in soho whatever um love rosie which actually i do really want to see people say that that's so great i know paul mezcal recently watched that for the first time recently so now i definitely want to watch it so we can have that in common when we meet and then fall in love um but yeah i just feel like he gives me such a visceral ick now that i'm just like i couldn't look at him i could i can't stomach him (laughs) i just like never want to look at him again anywho let's continue um jenna malone uh jack quaid okay jack quaid dying is so funny (laughs) and then they bring him back to die again in the second movie (laughs) because tom hanks was like i mean tom hanks messing him missing oh my gosh i can't i can't speak i keep mixing him up with colin hanks yeah. uh two nepo babies try and tell him apart i mean two nepo babies walk into a bar and they fucking film hunger games i don't know um i, I like yeah i guess dennis quaid was like ring ring 
can you please have another paycheck? Like, he needs to get off my back. Like, come <laughs> on. Put him in the second movie. Um, it's just kind of... That Quentin Dennis Quaid had pulled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that man is so hot. Okay, the person that we've missed is, I think because you're on the second movie, is Julianne Moore. Right, 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 right. I am on the second movie. She looks hot in this movie. I love the gray, the, the skunk stripe. I mean, she is slaying the, the house down with this look. She's another, like you know at the time sure and now you go like what was she doing and she's giving a wacky performance and also it's the defense against the dark arts thing i'm gonna come up with like a name for this theory where she comes in and she's leading the rebellion and she's really great and you know that in the end she's gonna turn evil you know so you're kind of just waiting for that to happen i don't know if that's because like Authors, editors, literary people, screenwriters, studio people think that kids are idiots. And, like, if you're 10, you'll just fall for it because you're introduced to a nice person. And when they turn evil, you'll be like, whoa. But when you're an adult, it's insanely obvious. And you're kind of just, like, waiting for her to turn. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I don't really have Great. Speed round that. over. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, stacked cast. Stacked cast. Yes, I would have loved um, them all to make another movie. Like a different movie, you yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah, me too. I would I would like a Jennifer Lawrence, Julianne Moore, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Jeffrey Wright. We'll let Lenny Kravitz in there. I'd like to let them make another movie. I think that they all could have just remade Boogie Nights. Yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, I agree. I think... Um, you know, Jennifer Lawrence, I'm not going to say... Josh Hutcherson as the Mark Wahlberg character. Yes! Yes! Please, full frontal! It's a porno. Anyways, just fully a porno, not just about porno. Um. Anyways, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say that Josh Hutcherson or Jennifer Lawrence should have made another movie. Because I, they were still... I mean, I don't want to say Josh Hutcherson was new on the scene, but she... he was still very much playing to the teen demographic. And, like, that made he sense is. for him. And, like, she was still new on the block. So, like, this is huge for an actress of her level at the time. Um, This huge multi-series thing. So, I'm not going to say, like, it shouldn't have been them. I mean, it's... it's you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but like this made sense for them. It's very like time capsule-y. Yeah. You can see her get better throughout the movies. Oh, for absolutely you can. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like you it's like a training camp. Like you can yeah, just yeah. see the acting training happening. Yeah. Um, and you can see Liam Hemsworth say the same. And <laughs> Josh Hutcherson. Mm, don't say that. Okay. Um but yeah, you know, I feel like You know, really this just prepared him for Five Nights at Freddy's. This is very um time capsule in the fact that this kind of book to preteen movie series thing doesn't really happen anymore huge at the time and we're going to talk about others yes on 2010's teens we're going to talk about twilight okay divergent maze runner you've mentioned a bunch of them already these series that pop up um 
that was the thing. And so, like, yeah, I like I say, oh, why was Julianne Moore in this movie? Because of course she was. If, if it wasn't this, it would have been Maze Runner. It right. was like at, at this time, these movies were being churned out so quickly and these books were flying off the shelves that at a certain point, you only have so many actors to put in them. I'm sure if it we... It gets a little uh, Marvel Cinematic University. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure if we went through the cast of like another random movie, I'm going to pull up Divergent and just, I, I'm sure that there are I mean, people... I just remember off the top of my head, Shailene Woodley, Miles Teller. Theo James, who's like huge now. Is um, he? Yeah. Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz. And Miles, yeah, Miles Teller. Ansel, Ansel Elgort. Ashley Judd. I mean, yeah. like Kate, Kate Winslet, like <laughs> these. Q. See, like these all have their own. Like, whoa, what are you doing here? I'm gonna look up Maze Runner. I, I mean, think Maze Runner was the the C list one, so maybe yeah, not quite it, as much of a point here. But I'm I get where you're going. It always felt like the C list one to me too. Dylan O'Brien had his time. It was big in the moment. Thomas Brody Sangster had his time. It was big in the moment. Will Poulter big in the moment. So this, Will Poulter still making movies? Uh, yeah, but he's you know I don't know. Um, you're Patricia like, yeah. Clarkson. You're like, yeah, Patricia Clarkson didn't get the Hunger Games job. In yeah, it. yeah. You know, she she went out for Effie, didn't quite get it. Um, <laughs> she went out for the Julia Moore part. Kaya Scold, I can never say her last name. Scodelero. Um, loved her growing up because she was in Skins, and then she did a couple other things. Um, but like, yeah, I would say Maze Runner definitely the C lister here. Looking at this cast, but like The Giver had a really good. Obviously, that was just a one off. Taylor Swift was in that movie. Are you kidding me? I recently saw that because it was like I I was on I was redditing the other day. And Jeff Bridges, Meryl Streep, Katie Holmes, Alexander Skarsgård, Taylor Swift. I know Catherine Mon- uh, Catherine. Oh my God, Cameron Monaghan from Shameless. I mean, that was like I a think big the thing Giver is campaigning itself to be one of our ten picks for 2010s teams. I, I think maybe 2010s teams should just be like 2010s apocalypse teams. <laughs> Um, how do we do Twilight then? How do we do Glee? The- oh wait, who said that? I never watched Glee, so this will be my first my first Glee experience. <laughs> um, uh, you know, Blade Runner. I mean, they're just like so. Blade many Runner. Movies. That's a movie from the eighties. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, sorry. Didn't they remake it? Like five years ago, but it was not a teen thing. Okay. Well, anyways, these movies were just. I mean, they were just everywhere. They were just literally. You also have everywhere. to keep in mind, like Harry Potter, a different kind of thing, but it, the same genesis. Twilight, a different kind of thing, but the same genesis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it, again, if not these, they would have been in something else. So, like Hunger Games, I think. I think in oh, Percy Jackson, that was the mm, other one. True. I never watched any of those. Never read the books. I know nothing. Well, that's about one it. of my picks for this series. So you'll have to suffer through it. All right, uh, let's pull up Percy Jackson because now I'm just curious. Um, oh, I forgot Logan Lerman is in it. Yeah, I'm sad, baby. I'm sad. I am sad. Him and Josh Hutcherson, my short kings. My but then short... you go like Alexander Daddario. She, you know, went on to have a career. Pierce Brosnan, Sean Bean, Steve Coogan, Rosario yeah. Dawson, Catherine Keener. You know, uh, Uma Thurman. Kevin McKidd. Yeah. Um. I okay. Can I just say just, something? This has just become us listing the cast of other movies we're going to talk about. Can I say something? I just need a safe space. Mm-hmm. I want to put Josh and Logan. Okay, so okay, um, no, no, listen on each of my hips and carry them around like my children and smooch them. Like I, they're my short kings. Like I just want to like, oh like my God. mommy loves you. <laughs> 
I, you said that this could be a safe space. Okay, I did. I I think you just said I'm gonna make it a safe space. I don't remember agreeing. Um, the best Hunger Games movie is which one? Oh God, probably. I mean, probably Catching Fire. It's Catching Fire. Yeah. It's Catching Fire. Oh, we, 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 okay. Two things we never addressed. The, I want to talk it, about like the you know the conceit. The conceit for this film for this franchise is really strong. The the initial most dangerous games thing. Absolutely. I really like the idea that like there are districts. I just always think that that's very interesting. I think especially with history and like historic segregation, I think that that's like just an interesting play on like if the world literally caved in on itself, would that happen again? Um uh, I think history is constantly proving that maybe it would. And like this they're coal miners for a reason, you know, they were they were given a blue-collar job mm-hmm. in District 12 for yeah, a reason. Yeah, it's very, like, primal, very, like, you know, you just have a skill and you do that. You know, like, you know, you have water here. You are boat people. Like, even, like, Avatar, the newest Avatar movie, like, the water people because they live on the water, you know? It's, like, <laughs> you know, very simple. Like, I, I do like that conceit. I love the idea of this, like, most dangerous game. Like, you have to fight to the death. I like the idea that it's like televised and getting that like reality TV aspect in there, especially with the way that reality TV has like continued to after the second one. Yeah. And so, and, and I get it. I get it. That, it becomes like, Star Wars. I was thinking it was very Star Warsy. I can understand how like you're writing this novel and you've now had the first book had hunger games in it and you, you fight. The second one is hunger games, all stars and you fight, which is like a great sequel idea. Like, like how do we do the same thing without doing the same thing? Oh, all stars. And I can understand the appeal. I really can of going like, we can't, if we are trying to fight the system and that has been the undercurrent of two of these good books, you know, we have to stop the game at some point. Right. That's really the problem with the second movie is that it has to both serve as a sequel to the first movie and also set up all the shit in movies three and four. And so it's the best one technically and probably just the best one in general, but really can't be anything more than a bridge movie. Yeah. And so I think, again, like I totally get why in movies three and four slash is it just book three or was it's, the... it was just one book? Yeah, okay. they did the Harry Potter thing and the Twilight thing because yeah. let's be honest, double the money. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Um, so you know, they what was I gonna say? Um, where it goes? Uh, yeah, like I can see why they didn't want to do the game again, but the game is what's really interesting, and I just don't think that the like conceit that ended up being fleshed out in movies three and four was very strong. Um, I felt like it was really confusing. I didn't really care as much. I just felt like everything about it fell flat, like literally everything. Um, so it's tough. I, do I know what I would have done differently? No, I don't. I recognize that the problem is you can't have the game every time. I don't know how I would solve that problem either, but I can recognize that this isn't it. Well, yeah, I think that that's I think you have to be like a certain level of diehard to just want to follow these people unless the conceit like I um, you know, you get to the blah, 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 blah. you get to the point in the Harry Potter series where Harry has to leave Hogwarts because you know it's it's time. And I go, I like Hogwarts. Hogwarts is like the best thing about these. I like the crazy staircase and the dungeons and shit. Like I like Hogwarts. So him leaving that, it makes me kind of go, womp, womp. and I feel the same way about this because I'm just not as. Listen, people who love the Hunger Games, they don't give a shit. Like, 
that stuff is probably just like the the stuff that they do early on, you know, and the politics is the fun stuff, and that's great. But like, yeah, I was digging the Hunger Games themselves, and then when that went away, and I know what's going to happen to Julianne Moore, right? We know where the whole thing's going to go. There's no other way for it to go except for one direction. It's kind of just, you know, playing out to the end, and that's really the problem with part one is that part one, and I wrote this in my letterbox review, is an action movie about making commercials. About propaganda. It's, it's very weird. It's literally like how to make propaganda. And I will say, like, it is very weird in this current state of the earth, to, uh, like, in the world, to watch this and go, like, especially when I think, like, as people we are becoming more, I don't want to say immune to propaganda because that's not true, but we are becoming more aware of propaganda and we are becoming, because, like, we have devices and and um cameras and stuff at our at our disposal we can now connect dots on how things are created and why they're shown to us and like we can make you know we can infer based on that like why am i seeing this ad what does this ad say that makes me want to buy it or whatever so i think like we are becoming more aware of propaganda and like that is its own sort of thing happening in the scope of the world right now but seeing this be like this is how you trick people into vying for you in your life. Like, it's very weird. It's really just a movie where they go like, let's go over here and ba 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 Okay, let's go. Let's, let's shoot a commercial. Let's go over here. ba 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 Let's shoot a commercial. Yeah, there's and a th- point where where um someone goes like, you know, I've picked the best director in every district to come and direct this, 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 and all of these And she just goes like, action! Yeah, she literally just says action, and Katniss does the rest. Like, Kat- Katniss will literally, like, switch cameras, and she will, like, turn to different canvas, canvas, can- uh, cameras on her own, like, fruition. Your director would be like, what are you doing? That camera isn't even set up! Like, <laughs> let me tell you what to do! And this is because it's an action movie about shooting commercials, because it's only... The first half of the story, and that's what happens. In, I mean, the first uh, what's the name of the last Harry Potter movie? Half Blood Prince. De- Deathly Hallows. Oh, Deathly Hallows. Yeah. That one's just them running around. Nothing yeah. gets accomplished in that movie. Nothing. It's one of, in my opinion, in my non Harry Potter fan opinion, it is one of the worst ones because nothing happens. There's no real progression. They're setting up obstacles just to defeat them, just to fill out a runtime. Right, um, or fill out the first half of a novel or whatever. Right, and this is that. It, this could be, and that's also the shortest one because there's no. It's only two hours compared to the all the other ones are two and a half, because there's no story to tell in that one, and there's probably between those last two movies a decent two and a half three hour movie, cutting out a bunch of the crap in both. Why would they ever do that when these movies make $700 million and are, are big smashes? Obviously, they're going to split it up. They did it with Twilight. They did it with Harry Potter. They did it with, you know, whatever else. Now they make them into 10-episode series. You know, like, that's just spreading it out, uh, you know, getting a bigger piece of the pie. I totally get it. But removed from that 10 years later, having nothing to do with box office receipts, watching them as their own separate pieces of art they don't really work independently no they don't um and even the second one is is still feels very like how to make people like you and how to manipulate audiences and how to shoot commercials and it's still just i don't know like these last two movies just really did not land for me 
Well, I know I'm really I'm picking on the director of the first one and and complimenting the director of the second one. I think that there are just issues in general of I don't know how much they care to be their own independent works of art. I mean, the first movie ends with Donald Sutherland walking upstairs. That's the final image. And there was like an image like literally 10 seconds before that that was like strong. Yeah, yeah. It was like, well, did you accidentally leave that in here? <laughs> right? There's like a couple times where it's just like that. Like uh, uh, the other three just like start. Like there's no fanfare. It's just like picking up where Katniss left off. Yeah, the, the last movie literally picks up exactly She's like where, in the infirmary or whatever. Yeah, exactly where the other one left off. And like, that's not how movies work. That's how television works. That's how maybe to a certain degree books work. But like, movies need like strong opening images and strong that's... final images. And maybe we want to go bum ba da ba at the end of the movie on the cliffhanger, you know? And like, we don't get that and it kind of just feels like one super long thing. It lowers you start, the stakes. You start, yeah, you start to kind of go like, oh, I think that they, and they were rushing these shits out. And listen, I know that people like them, and people are so mad at us right now, and I get it, I get it, I get it. But if you take a step back, and if you look at them separate from the books, they really are kind of a mess. yeah. Um, I'm sure if you've read all the books and you like all the books, the movie is just like the highlight reel of all the shit that you liked played by really likable people who are more or less perfectly cast. And that's awesome. And that's great. I'm so happy for you. And I can see that myself a little bit in the first one, but just in general, like I, I don't know what artistically is going on here. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if anything artistically is going on here other than uh, other than let's make money on a on a book's cash cow. I felt that also, and I hate to keep going back to this, but I also don't. With the Harry Potter series, one and two have such a strong yeah. visual sense. They have such a strong feeling. They are like, I think that that's why people watch that, especially the first one, like over and over and over again. Like they'll, they watch it at least once a year, especially around Christmas time. Like, yeah, like it is a, a standalone movie separate from the franchise because it's so fully realized. Like Chris Columbus is like so intent on making like a children's movie and like understanding the magic and the whimsy behind that. And then when the kids grow up, the movies grow up and they kind of just become let's action let's, let's do this exactly and you like none of that like charm there's no moment Carries where they just over. like an owl just flies around and you watch it in the fifth movie that happens a bunch in the first couple of movies you know there was a movie and i was i was talking about this recently i think on a podcast and i cannot remember what movie i was talking about but yeah, I think that, like, you know, that first Harry Potter movie, there's so much sitting. Like, there's so much just, like, sitting and appreciating what's happening. Appreciating the magic. Appreciating the whimsy, like you said. Appreciating the, the scenery. Appreciating the CG. The like, practical the, sets. The, the, the practical sets. Like, there's so much just, like, appreciating. And that's also, like, really visually appealing for kids. Like, they don't have to be doing things for kids' eyes to be wide and for them to go, like, oh, my gosh, I want to live at Hogwarts. But but you get to a point where, like, once again, when that wears off, 
it feels like every single thing is like trying to move the story forward and that's when you just start feeling like you're stuck in this like you're stuck like rolling downhill like you just feel like you can't catch your breath you can't just like sit and appreciate it anymore like you just are moving 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 and like this entire franchise felt like moving 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 like every single line was meant to make the next thing happen and like we're never just like sitting and grappling with things there are eight of those movies and i think the fourth one goblet of fire i think that's the last time where the movie kind of feels independent you could watch that yeah. movie on its own and it kind of feels episodic in a way and then from five on it kind of gets the mcu syndrome of it just like everything connects to something else and mm-hmm. we're just setting up setting up setting up for the future and this kind of feels that way like we're just setting everything up because the next we're going to film the next movie in six months yeah yeah absolutely so maybe we just feel that way because we watch them all in one day. Who knows? Um, I'm glad that we did it that way, though. Um, I don't know how willing it would have been to, like, yeah, let's watch the third one now on a Tuesday night. I'm glad we made an event of it. I had a good time with you today. We were able to crack some jokes. And I did, in general, I did enjoy l- watching them. I think it's just because the last, the last one really kind of sucked it out of us. But, like, I was feeling really good until we press play on that one. Like, it, they good vibes, you know? I think it, it does what it wants to do, and it's good It's good watching, you know? They're just made like shit. <laughs> yeah, they're just kind of ugly, and I don't know. Don't keep me interested. All right, well, I think that's what I'm going to put on the, <laughs> the description of the episode. It's just kind of ugly, and it doesn't keep me interested. <laughs> I, okay, the last Put that two. one on the poster. I really have, like, last two syndrome right now. Yeah. I have, like, recency bias to the last two. I really did not dislike the first two that much. I actually considered, like, should we do watch each one and then, like, record 15, 20 minutes after each one? I was like, yeah, I don't feel like setting everything up. But I feel like we almost should have done that because we would have been. You would have seen the arc of our day a little bit better. Yeah. Um. Anyway, folks, if you're wondering what the next episode of 2010's Teens is, well, so are we. Uh, we're recording this one way in advance we don't have the schedule set yet um so it will be a surprise if you're wondering what next week's episodes of y2 kids is well so are we we are recording this one way in advance and we don't know what it is yet because we're recording it two months in advance if you're wondering what we thought about the new hunger games movie which to you at this point is no longer new um well so are we i I don't know the bit's over um we will have seen it by the time this comes out um, and I'm pretty sure we will have put our thoughts somewhere on our website, futurepresentationvideo.com, whether that's in review, podcast form, whatever it is. Um, so you can check us out over there, futurepresentationvideo.com, and it's the home of everything that we do. Um, re- free reviews, five days a week, podcasts, written reviews, lists, recommendation, newsletters, uh, recurring columns, all that kind of stuff. Then we have paid stuff going on on the weekends, which... As of this recording is still kind of being worked out, but by the time you listen to this, um, it will be launched, um, and so uh, you'll know more about it in the future than I do now. Um, but if you head over to our website, you can click on the paid subscribers tab, and you can see the stuff that's just for folks who pay five bucks a month or fifty dollars a year, which is a great discount. And uh, maybe you'll want to sign up, and maybe you want to support the cause. You can find me on Letterboxd at Taylor Malone. You can find me on X at Mailer Talone. You can find me at Patrick J. Regal everywhere you find people online. You can find the show at Y2KidsPod on Twitter. You can also send us an email, Y2KidsPod at gmail.com. This is 2010 Teens, but it's, you know, the spinoff of Y2Kids. Um, 
It's the best place to find us, though, is our website, futurepresentationvideo.com. Head over there, put your email address in. We will send you everything that we do five days a week for free. See you next week for whatever it is. See you then.